Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. Although we're often considered a cowboy church, we're actually a community of diverse people from many different backgrounds who have a common commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org and you can make your online donation anytime. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. We're continuing our series in the sermons of uh, 1 Corinthians as we work through it. This is an early church of the uh, Christian church at its very beginning and a very controversial church. It's a very now church. It's much like churches that you meet all across North America today. And the same challenges that they face, we are facing, and we are learning a great deal what about it means to be a church, a family of God, and a part of the kingdom of God, and how we can uh, more perfectly align ourselves with the will of Jesus Christ. I want you to, as we get into this section, we're going to talk about lawyers. And, uh, oh, oh, come on, we're not biased against lawyers, are we? It is a beautiful time to be a lawyer. It is gorgeous time to be a lawyer. If you are a young person and you're thinking about a career choice, consider being a lawyer. The medium annual salary of a lawyer in the United States is $75,803 US. And the average salary of a lawyer in Alberta per year is $100,000 and $127 a year. And that's a 12% above the national average in Alberta. Good time to be a lawyer, you think about a career change? There's lots of work to be doing. We hate going to court. And we hate because we're not sure we'll ever find justice when we go to court. Many love to go to court if they're trying to avoid the price of the wrongdoing they've been doing. (laughs) because it's hard to get a verdict against those who do wrong in any court. Does that surprise you at all? There's a stat that's out. It comes, uh, Senator George Baker of the, of the uh, Progressive Conservative Party has stated this, it takes five to 10 times longer to conduct a criminal trial in Canada than it does in the United Kingdom or in Australia and Canadians are demanding a solution to the delay in justice. Recent reports in Canada of the 20th, amongst the 24 European and North American countries, Canada ranks around 20th in its judicial system. It's 54th out of 66 survey countries. It's way at the bottom in its judicial uh, courts and getting your judgment made. One study revealed that in Canada, depending on your court and jurisdiction, more than 50% of individuals represent themselves in legal courts because they can't afford to do anything else but that. And another found that over a three-year period, just in three years in Canada, 11 million Canadians face civil or family justice problems in our courts. Many of them considered it serious and difficult uh, issues to resolve and Canada's civil litigation process is just in chaos too frequently. It is the obstacle 
rather than the path to resolving matters quickly and fairly. Kyle Risby, who grew up in one of our native nations and became involved in the courts and as a lawyer, he told his dad when he was young, I'm going to be a lawyer because he saw the lack of access that people in his nation had to the courts. And he served with Cromwell, who is the retired Supreme Court Justice as well. And he has uh, been serving on the National Action Committee on the Access to Justice. And he describes a particularly important role of professionals such as himself, and he believes this is the solution. He says non-lawyers, like you and me, are seeing a problem, and they try to help the problem before that problem gets too serious and gets to courts. And he says, he highlights that mediation, inter settling disputes before you get to court is a potential way forward to solve the issues that we have in Canada. This is a big issue. It's huge in Canada and especially in Alberta. Millions of lives are being ruined by the lack of justice and justice delayed. And even the brightest among us seem at a loss what to do about this problem, even though we've been working at it for a long time. Well, what we do here is we turn to the Word of God and to the Bible, because the Bible is a foundational book of Western civilization. It is the foundation of our laws. Even if we tend to neglect it and steer away from it, we don't want to forget that the Bible is the source of our wisdom. And this revelation from God guides us to live a better life, to a better world, to a better country, if we would just listen to the wisdom that's within its pages. The most just communities in the world build on the redeeming work of Jesus Christ in every heart. And when we find that core of this truth within the Word of God and these passages, we can see a change in our own lives and our change in our communities and in our country. And that's why we're going to 1 Corinthians today. That's what we're dealing with as we look at chapter 6. We're going to start out at verse 1 and work our way down. Are you ready? All about justice. Paul begins this section by saying, does any of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constituate the smallest of law courts do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you point them as judges who are not of no account in the church? It is this, I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren? But brother goes to the law with brother and that before unbelievers. There is a uh, verse today. It is the single most popular verse in North America. And I know it's not John 3.16. This is the most searched on Google and the most quoted by everyone in society above John 3.16. And it comes from Matthew 5.1. And they've abbreviated it to three words. Do not judge. 
Have you heard anyone quote that from the Word of God? But boy, but did they shorten that? Because if you go to Matthew 5 and you look at that section and see what it actually says, it's a completely different understanding of what we receive here. So Matthew 5, 1 through 5, read all of it. It goes this way. Do not judge so that you will not be judged for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at a speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye and behold the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This passage, so often quoted, tells uh, that Christians are not to pass judgment on other people. At least that's what people think. And it's, uh, they think that Jesus is teaching us how to uh, not to be critical of others. But Jesus is actually teaching us how to be better judges in this passage. The illustration he uses about sawdust and lug, uh, logs is if you're on a work site and uh, the, the saws are going, you're not wearing safety goggles, right? You get a speck in your eye and you can't seem to get it out. You ask your co-workers working you to get it out. But if he's wearing two-by-fours for glasses, he's not going to be able to get that speck out of your eye, is he? But the whole point is, is to help your brother by discerning and judging what the problem is and removing the thing that's in the way. That's the point of this passage. How do you help your brother by ju judging what is wrong and what is good, not removing a whole eye, but just a little speck of that? But if I'm going to do that procedure really well, I need to be clear in my sight to be able to help someone else. Judgment, according to the Bible that we find here, is to, to look to redeem the community rather than to compensate people for losses. That's what judgment is. In the, the Old Testament and amongst the Jewish communities, judgment was made at the city gates by the elders. And the elders would get together who had lived around a while and seen a few things and have gone through various stages of life. And if you had a dispute with someone or with a brother or a sister or someone in your family or someone else in the community, you would go to the elders at the gate. You know what they were? Mediators. They negotiated between the two parties, tried to find some middle ground, and they had the authority to say, well, both of you are being kind of stupid, you know, you need to wise up and smarten up. They would negotiate between them and they would finally come to a place of agreement where both could live with it, with some suggestions about how to avoid this conflict in the future. They were counselors, they were mediators, they were respected in the community. It never actually even got to a court, because the court was what you did before the king. And the king had a sword. You remember Solomon, who had a dispute between two mothers and the dividing of the baby? His solution was to use the sword. But before you got there, you wanted to go to the elders first, before you go to before a king who had a violent solution for you, right? So for the Jews, they thought this is God's system of elders. But for the Greeks, it was the courts. 
in uh, Corinth, where these uh, Corinthians were and where they were writing to, the law courts was their favorite source of entertainment. You went to court for to hear the arguments. Any of you watched Judge Judy or any of those other court cases on TV? Do you do that? That's all that the Corinthians watched. They ate that up. They loved it. And when they had a jury, they wouldn't just have 12. They might have 100 people there in the jury. They might have 1,000 people, depending on the court case. And you would be judged by your peers and so on. And it was a really quite an entertaining show. So any excuse to get you someone else into court so that you could show off how smart you are in the arguments and persuasion, it was really a colossal waste of time to go to the courts. And it was ultimately destructive to many lives. And for Paul, he was just horrified at this system of legality. He far preferred the elder system to have a mediator to come in between you. And for Christians, we know the great mediator. We know Jesus Christ, who stands before me and the Father, who settles my case before it even is taken up into heaven, that he has already begun the mediation, making peace between me and God. And our task here today is to do the same. I've been called on as pastor more than once where uh, I've to settle disputes between Christian brothers. Did you know that? They say, we've got a fight. We don't agree with each other. Pastor, we'd like you to hear both sides, and then you give the verdict. <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> yes, yeah, so we both agree to, to whatever you say, we'll, we'll agree to that. And, that. and we settled the dispute, and it was all done. Since I've been here, I've uh, not met with both parties, but I've met with individuals who often have problems or issues, whether people say, what will I do, Pastor? And I'll give them a, some advice from the Word of God, and they'll go implement that, and it all works out. That, too, is mediation. Before you take a brother to court or some violent reaction to an injustice done to you, it's good to go to mediation first. And the goal here is not to get repaid. The goal is to bring peace to the community, restoration. I'm going to tell you a terrible truth that should set you free and make you upset all at the same time. If someone has done harm to you, there is no compensation ever. Even if someone were to pay you money in the English system, if someone were to go to jail, or maybe even die on death row because of the harm done to you, it will not replace what was taken, ever. That's the harsh reality. You're going to have to live with the loss no matter what. But in Christ, you can learn to live with the loss. Because I know my compensation is in the Lord and not what others have done to me. And I can find peace rather than seeking compensation. And that's what I call justice. What I'm looking for is restoration. A restoring of the community. Us coming together and being a people of God again. As we turn to the Bible, we discover these great truths and that this is God's plan for us as he teaches it to the Corinthians church. We live in a world that's increasingly using the word secular. And I want you to know every time that word is used, what it means is a place without God. A place without God. And we are greatly uh, seeking now in our culture our courts to be secular. 
a place where God is not welcome? Are you going to find justice before an ungodly court? And that's what uh, Paul raises here to us today. He says, do not, you got to be careful about who you go before and who you seek justice from. He says, I say this to your shame, that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brothers. But brothers go to law with brother, and that before an unbeliever. So you got two Christians who are in conflict, and then they go to someone who's not a Christian and doesn't even believe in God and ask that person to settle your case. That's utter foolishness, isn't it? Why would I do that? Well, I want the weight of the law behind it. I want you to know when an elder, when a believer, when someone like Della starts praying, they have not the weight of the law, but the weight of the kingdom of God behind them. And God saved the soul that stands in the way of Della, because they're toast. That's all there is to it. And many of you prayer warriors, if you know God, uh, the courts of Canada are nothing compared to the kingdom of God and its authority. I'm telling you that. So if you want justice, go to someone who knows God, who knows the word, and will judge rightly by the word of God. And uh, avoid this plank-wearing people who don't even know God and can't even discern truth from a lie and injustice from injustice. This passage so often quoted tells Christians not to pass judgment on, on other people, but actually it means we are to judge and judge well and judge often. A Christian wants to be judged by Christ because of grace. In this passage it says, where judge lest not you be judged in the same way, I often quote in the King James because that's how I remembered scripture, all right? Memorized it. But if I don't want to be judged in the same way, I need to be careful that I judge rightly when I judge other people. And I need to be careful how I do that because I want to be judged in that way. I want to tell you how I want to be judged, all right? Right now you're deciding, do I like him? Do I not like him? Is he a good preacher or lousy? You know, is what are you saying, true or right? Okay, so let me help you while you're trying to judge that. I know you're what you're doing. You're judging me. That's what you're doing right now. I'm okay with that. Go ahead and judge me. But here's the standard by which I will judge you, and I want you to judge me. I want you to judge me by Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God. I've had uh, brothers walk up to me already and, uh, and sisters and others since I've been here and say, uh, Pastor John, I've heard how you've interpreted that passage. I'm not sure I'm quite on board with you. And I say, that's fine. Let's just keep in the word until we come to a common understanding of what God has said. I want to be judged by the word of God. And I want to judge you by the word of God. Is that okay? We should. Because that's how we'll find the way out of our own foolishness. A non-Christian, though, a non-Christian wants to avoid any judgment at all because, you know why? They're guilty, and they know it. That's why they want to avoid it. A Christian who looks for judgment is looking for freedom and a better life in the wisdom of God. A non-Christian is looking for avoidance and getting away with what they can as often as they can. And they call that freedom. When we are looking for a wise person to give us guidance in what is right and wrong, 
what is helpful and what is hurtful, then we should go to, should we go to a secular court where God is not liked, not welcomed, and not known? It just makes no sense. There is no justice when God is not honored, welcomed, and consulted. I know that there are some that talk about social justice. There are some who talk about other justices, but if it isn't God's justice, is it justice at all? Society can tell you what is fair and what is not fair. And society and its judgment is like the courts of the Corinthians, where they got together and the society and the peers decided what was right and what is wrong. I don't want to be judged by society in a social justice system. I want to be judged by God, by Jesus Christ, and by the word of God because that gives me much clearer insight to what the real issue is and what's really going on. I am for God and his justice. No wonder we have a justice problem in North America. No wonder our courts can't deal with it. According to the Bible, this is our training ground right here, where you are right now. We are warriors in training, and we are judges in training to become elders, mediators, in this world and in the world to come. It says that one day we will be mediators and judges of this world and of even of angels. So if you can't settle a dispute between two two-year-olds, how are you gonna do that, right? This is a time to practice on your skills. If you have ever go to court in Alberta, you better start praying for God for justice because this is the only way you're gonna get it and know the mercy of the Lord. There is a better way. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7, the better way. Actually then, Paul says, it is already a defeat for you that you have a lawsuit with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, yourselves wrong and defraud you do this even to your brethren. The better way described in the word of God is the family of God. It is a better way to justice. Justice is not being compensated for the wrong done to you. This idea is based on common law and was a step above the vigilante. Back when the Magna Carta in England was drafted, it was put in there a law that said that if uh, someone killed your cow, you got compensated with a cow of like means. What you didn't do is grab a sword and go over and kill your neighbor. That's what you didn't do. But before, that's what they would do. It was kind of a barbaric solution. I'll show him. But they were doing the eye for an eye concept. You ever hear that? It was compensation in kind. And it was to eliminate the vigilante ideas. And that was a step forward in their day. But compensation, even if I get a cow when I lost a cow, usually comes in the form of money or it comes in the form of punishment. Justice, according to the Bible, is doing what is right and good in the eyes of God and giving everyone another chance to do just that. It is allowing God to exercise his judgment over others. 
Later on, Paul's going to talk about a brother in the church who is well into sin. He was appalled at the lack of the Corinthian church to have discernment and judgment about it. And he said, you need to do something about that and take care of that and remove them from your midst. But his goal was to redeem the one that they found lacking so that the enemy wouldn't have the day and be able to bring him back. But in order to do that, they handed him over to the one he was pursuing, which was Satan and his will. And he said, if you really want to do what Satan wants you to do, then go ahead and just see how bad it is. And maybe you'll repent and come back into the kingdom of God. Because the only way back is by repentance. The elders at the gate and those who mediate are looking for a change in the heart, not just change in behavior. Have any of you raised children? Have your children ever had a fight? Do they all claim to be innocent and the other ones at fault? How do you figure that out? How do you figure who's at fault? If you're a wise parent, you realize they're all at fault, right? It didn't, they'll, they'll get into the details. What amazes me how skillful young children are at being lawyers. Is that right? They can argue cases better than any. I, they don't even need to go to school. Just throw them in the front of the Supreme Court. They'll argue it supremely. It's not my fault. It's their fault. He punched me first, and therefore he deserves, you know, on and on. And they'll both argue with great passion, and it's very, better than Perry Mason or anything else you might have watched. But the, the truth of the matter is they both messed up, and they're probably both at fault and what you're looking at as a parent is not to uh, throw your children in jail, better known as a bedroom or something like that, but you're trying to teach your kids to get along with each other, aren't you? Isn't that your goal, to have peace in the home, to change the behavior? But there's got to be repentance amongst those kids, would you agree? There's got to be acceptance. So you go to your room and you think about it <laughs> until you realize... You're a sinner. <laughs> you, know, you need to repent and have a change of heart. And then they come out with tears. and I'm so sorry. Well, they're not really sorry. They just don't want to be in the room anymore. That's all they're. But you're looking for that change of heart, and you're trying to get there. This is justice. That's what the Bible calls justice. But it isn't all well, just let everyone off the hook and excuse them. We're looking for a change of behavior that begins with a change of heart. And that comes through repentance and coming back to the Lord. And sometimes, as the Lord says, in discipline and love, we correct others amongst us to see what it is that the Lord wants of us. Paul wanted that for the first Corinthian church. He wanted them to know that kind of justice in their midst and the settling of problems. And not this, you know, eye for an eye and spec for uh, justice for injustice in our lives. We want to know this kind of grace in our life. We're going to go on down to uh, verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, nor fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, or effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers 
will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you but were of that, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of God. The scripture says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Is that true? How does a sinner become a judge? The secular world will tell you that to throw out the word sin, just get rid of that word, and not judge others by the Bible. The secular world will tell you to mind your own business and let other people to do whatever they want. And that's a philosophy in politics called libertarian. It comes from the French that says live and let live, liberté, when they shout that, that's what they mean. Mind your own business and let people do whatever they want. And then they will tell you that what you thought was good is now considered bad and what you thought was evil is now considered good. There can be no justice with that kind of thinking. The Bible tells us what we need to begin with is to repent of our sin by naming them, each of those sins, in a prayer to God. You heard Della this morning. She encouraged to go to, uh, her son to go to God, and he began to get real and honest with the Lord, and that's what it takes. That's what we encourage people to do, is to go to God and to confess. Vow to walk away from the things that you confess that you know that are not pleasing to God and call on Jesus to give you a clean slate to start again. Invite the Holy Spirit to empower and to transform your life from the inside out. Get away from the world and get into the word of God and you will begin to judge your own heart more precisely and accurately in your own life. You'll grow in understanding, you'll grow in power, you'll grow in discernment through the Bible and the Holy Spirit as he will teach you right from wrong. And when you have moved from the end of Romans 7 and you move into the victory of Romans 8 in that journey of your life, if you never read those two books, do that, all right? The end of Romans 7, I, I sin, I do what I do not want to do, I do, and I can't help myself, and I, oh, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks God be to Jesus Christ. And then in Romans 8, he talks about victory and overcoming, and that we are more than conquerors through Christ who has redeemed us. If you'll be ready to move forward after discovering the reality of Romans 7 and Romans 8, you can discover victory over sin in your own life, and you can help others to get there as well. Not only that, but you are being made ready for greater things on that journey. Here's what I mean. In the book of Revelations, chapter 321, Jesus says to the saints, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father, on his throne. We get to sit with Jesus on the throne of God who rules the universe. Now let that sink in. Are you ready to take that chair? 
how does a sinner become a judge? And yet, our future is to be judges of the entire world, of angels, and of the universe. Revelations 2, verse 26, Jesus gives a specific example with a promise. He says, the one who conquers, who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. I'll tell you right now, you can already know that authority over your community, over your family, over the kingdom of God, over all the face of the earth, and you can exercise that if you can learn justice, redeeming, restoring, powerful justice of God, where the weight of the authority in the kingdom of God is behind you, you can experience that in your life right now. In your war rooms, in your prayer life, you can exercise that authority and pronounce those judgments. Paul puts it like this in 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure with him, we will also, what? reign with him. The spectacular thing about being told that we will judge angels is not mainly the specific ways that that will take place, but the inexpressible greatness of the status, the position given to ordinary people like you and like me, who actually share in the functions of the judge of the universe. I am blown away by this idea that I who was once lost in sin would be promoted to that kind of position, that I would be given that kind of responsibility. There are times when I wonder if God really has sound judgment when he does things like that. And yet he has that kind of boldness because he knows the change that he can work in your heart is greater than you ever imagined. That he has the ability to work through you beyond what anything you could understand. This is a dark, secular world without God in the, that sense that they are blind and they don't want the Lord and they live sinful lives. Only a life given over to Jesus Christ can ever begin to understand true justice and the power to overcome sin in this world. Are you that kind of light in this world? And many of you I know are. You know the Lord and you love him. You're warring in your war rooms and praying for those who don't know him and asking for that light to dawn on their lives. Some of you are powerful. Your wisdom and you are elders in this world filled with the wisdom of God. Or are you just another two-by-four glasses-wearing person who can't see anything but your own issues? What you choose today who you make Lord of your life, to whom you turn now will take you further into a dark place and further from justice, or you can step into the light of confession, of reconciliation, where everything will be revealed, everything will be judged, and everything will be cleansed away. And when you are made right with God, you are made right with everyone. It's your judgment call. What will you do? In this moment, there are, you've heard of people coming to the Lord, the change that comes inside of them. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do it. If you are in your life battling anger and frustration at how injustice this world has uh, enforced upon you, 
and you want peace with God, you can have that today too. It is the promise given to you that Jesus will give you that peace that passes understanding. It's not the peace of compensation. It is peace with God that goes far beyond any loss that you could have. In a few moments, we're going to conclude with a prayer and people are going to get up and ask who you're cheering for at the Super Bowl and how you're doing in the cold weather and whether you have a cold. But before those questions come, would you deal with this question? Are you right with God? Is there a battle in your life? This is a far more important question. If you want to come forward and allow us to pray with you and to do exactly what 1 Corinthians says, come to the elders of the church and of God, we can make sure we're right with God, that God is invited into those battles in your life. And there's no need to be stuck at the end of Romans 7. We can move into Romans 8 and know victory together. It is because people have prayed for me and interceded for me that I'm here today, that I share this message with you. And it would be a privilege to do that for you as well. We do this for each other every day. Because there will be some day when I'll need you to pray for me again. And I'd like you to be around and full of faith and authority and power when that day comes. So before you're distracted, before you get into those upper conversations, if you want to come forward and make your way up here before the aisles get filled up, I'd love to take time to pray for with you after the closing prayer. But uh, so we close our eyes. I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. So those that want to come forward and make sure that they don't get lost in the bustle can come forward. And you can come now. You can come to the front to make sure that this moment is given to God. Because we are seeking his justice and his fairness. If you want to come, you can come right now. Lord, while we close in prayer, there are those who are struggling and says, Oh, I want that peace and I want that joy and I want that all, but I really don't want to go forward and to receive it. Lord, it is better today to come forward now and to know that verdict from you and to know peace in their hearts than it is to go further into darkness, further into the struggles of this world and not know the peace of God. I pray that even if they have an issue with you and they're angry at you, O oh God, that they'll come forward and find reconciliation with you. I pray, O oh God, that no one will leave this day without finding the peace of God. I thank you for the saints that are here today, that are so wise, that are so caring and loving, that know your will so well, that they are interceding on our behalf, on behalf of the church, on behalf of their families and their extended families and our communities. It is that, Lord, those prayers, those saints, that gives me hope for a future, for a better world, a better life on this earth, as the saints reign in the authority and the power of mighty God. Lord, as we find our peace, I pray that we would join those saints, that we'll grow up into the role that you have for us, to come before the throne and to be invited to be seated with you in judgment of this world. O oh Lord, make us better judges in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you all, and cheer for Green Bay today. God bless you. You'll find a warm, relaxed atmosphere at MCC. We love worship and music here. It is our desire to direct people to the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all life, hope, and true transformation.
Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish. Coffee and snacks are served. Children's church and child care are available. 